There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Week 17 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom, so listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue, brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. You'd think they'd say even on an empty stomach, but they say even on a full stomach, so... I don't know. I've always kind of thought that was backwards. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises, even after that big full buffet dinner that you had. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. I'd like to see some enhanced performance from our offense on Sunday against these Vikings. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. So you're not going to get a big, bright red and yellow box that says boner pills on the side. So um, for those of you that follow Jim Ross, the wrestling announcer on Twitter, he just posted on Christmas Eve of all days, he posted a photo of him receiving his batch of Blue Chew, which is a frightening, frightening thought. And uh, one that I wanted to have on Christmas Eve. So thank you very much. Good old JR letting you know that he's still cranking him out at whatever age he is. Anyway, Blue Chew is made in the USA. And since they prepare and ship direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code armchair. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code armchair to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast and thank them for being the inspiration of the most frightening tweet I've seen in a long time. Thank you so much, Blue Chew, for sending some to JR on Christmas. God bless you. My guest today from the Daily Norseman and SB Nation, Chris Gates, uh, back once again to help us preview the Bears and the Vikings, the annual Week 17 visit to the, I was going to say Metrodome, to the beautiful U.S. Bank Stadium uh, up there uh, in Minneapolis. Um, very fond memories of our last visit out there and hoping that uh, considering the Vikings have nothing to play for uh, they're already locked into the sixth seed and they've got to get ready for wild card weekend that maybe this will open the door for the Bears to sneak in and get a win to finish 500 on the season wouldn't that be nice so anyway it's the last preview episode of the season it's the week 17 preview it's the Bears talk underground let's get to it We have finally come to the end of the road for the 2019 campaign. Not where we wanted to see it end at all and prematurely as far as most Bear fans are concerned, but Sunday is the end for our beloved Chicago Bears. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the Week 17 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Going to keep things brief because there's not a whole lot going on uh right now in bears land alan robinson was named the good guy or got the good guy award which is basically an award voted on by the press uh for the bears so apparently alan robinson was their favorite guy to talk to uh this year um chris gates from the daily norseman will be joining us here in just a few moments as i mentioned uh a moment ago and uh we'll talk about the uh 
a little bit actually i think the only about half the time that we talked we talked about the actual football game we spent more time it was more like a year in review for the vikings uh than anything else the the bears are just participating uh in this game maybe we'll get a chance to to play well and, and win this game the vikings don't have anything to play for chris even admits uh admits as much and um we don't know what the vikings are going to do um the bears on the other hand their injury report real quick uh eddie goldman and taylor gabriel have yet to practice this week uh with their concussions akeem hicks has not practiced with the elbow i doubt very much that he'll play on sunday uh bobby massey still nursing the ankle injury Rashad Coward has been limited with the knee injury that knocked him out of the Kansas City game. And Prince of Mukamura was full go yesterday on Wednesday, was limited today on Thursday with the hamstring injury. So that's pretty much it. There really isn't anything else uh, going on uh, right now. Um, yeah, not a damn thing. Uh, no headlines or, or anything uh, like that. Uh, going on this week so tell you what guys let's just go ahead and and dive right into this thing with our good friend uh chris gates uh from the daily norseman let's get to the meat of the sandwich previewing week 17 between the bears and the vikings To close out the disappointing 2019 campaign for our beloved, they there it must be week 17 because we're going to Minnesota on Sunday to take on the uh, already playoff bound uh, Minnesota Vikings and to help us preview this season finale for the fourth year in a row, fifth time in six seasons. Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman, welcome back to the show, Chris. A tradition like no other, Larry. I am happy to be here. How's how's it going on your end? Ah, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, no, no, Chris, no. I just uh, I don't really want to talk about it. So we'll just we'll just end this call right here. So All anyway, right, well, let's see, see week seventeen next <laughs> week year. Week seventeen I'll, I'll next year. I'm sure we'll play somewhere in the middle of the season before then. But yeah, you can bank on this like death and taxes right now with the the way the NFL likes to do it. So. Briefly, for this, for your sake, Chris, I want to talk about week four when uh, we met up for the first time in Chicago yep. and we had our annual Chicago beats Minnesota in Chicago game. And the thing that was kind of like the underlying theme of that game, or at least afterwards anyway, I should say, is that <laughs> according to many experts, the Bears broke Kirk Cousins in that game. <laughs> because we obviously we knew you guys were going to try to run the football. You had the number one rushing attack in the league, the number one running back in the in football at the time, and the Bears did everything possible to shut Dalvin Cook down uh, in that game, which pretty much dared Kirk Cousins to take over the football game, which he failed to do despite the fact you have Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph and all those other fun uh, tools that you have on offense, offensive side. The touchdown you scored was late uh, in the fourth quarter when the game was already well decided, and the 16-6 to final score doesn't really tell the entire story of how dominant that win was for the Bears, possibly our, our biggest shining hour until the Cowboys game on national TV. But, you know, talk about that game afterwards because I don't want you to have to relive any of the horrors of the game uh, itself. But afterwards, what was the thought about the team after that game against Chicago? Because it was ugly. I think a lot of the fans after that game was over with were kind of questioning. I mean, they were questioning damn near everything about this team, whether it was the coaching, whether it was Kirk Cousins, whether it was, uh, you know, you name it. Guys were being questioned. And, you know, we thought that we were looking at kind of kind of like what we had last year, maybe another, you know, seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven season, because, you know, the, the Bears, we knew the Bears had a, had a great defense right. and whatnot, but you know you expect to to play these games and score more than six points that came, you know, as you said, when it didn't really matter anymore. But yeah, people were angry with Kirk Cousins. People were angry with the offensive line. People were angry with the coaching staff. 
people were even angry with a defense that gave up 16 points because on that first drive after Mitch Trubisky got hurt, uh, Chase Daniel came in and looked like Joe Montana for the remainder of that drive. And right. that's when the Bears got their only touchdown. And so, you know, everyone was just kind of pissed off at everything and everybody. And we just kind of, I think a lot of people may have given up on the season at that point. But, you know, it's ridiculous to give up on a season after week four. And, you know, we saw that uh, once that game got in the rearview mirror, we started playing the rest of the season. Well, yeah, it was like after that game, uh, you you guys didn't really. F- I mean, Dalvin Cook still got his carries and got his yards and and whatnot, but it's like all of a sudden you remembered that you have Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and that for the most part, despite his uh, reputation for not beating winning teams or whatever, Kirk Cousins actually is a pretty good quarterback that can throw the ball uh, pretty well because you went on four straight wins where you. You know, you almost broke the scoreboard against the the um, the uh, the Lions. There, you beat Minnesota. You, I mean, you or excuse me, Philadelphia. You run the score up on on them, and it's the Stefan Diggs show in a couple of those uh, uh, games. It was like you guys pivoted after the the Bears game. Like I said, Dalvin Cook's still a big part of the offense, but all of a sudden, it's Air Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and Thielen got hurt in the Detroit game and hasn't really played much since, and. When he has played, he hasn't really looked the same. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, people give Kirk Cousins hell for just about everything he does. Uh, I said the other day that I don't think there's a quarterback in the league that gets uh, less credit for his team's wins and more blame for his team's losses than Cousins does because it doesn't matter what the rest of the team does. The narrative with this team is always about Kirk Cousins. But, you know, he was he was the NFC Offensive Player of the Month for October. And, you know, I mean, yeah, he was beating teams that aren't great, but that's what you're supposed to do to teams that aren't great. You're supposed to beat the crap out of them and yeah. get your W. But, uh, yeah, thing, things change quite a bit. Um, I don't know how much the uh, the mini tantrum or whatever you want to call it, the drama that Stefan Diggs had with uh, Cousins after that game kind of kick-started things or if they – completely change the offensive philosophy or anything like that but yeah something happened after that bears game and ever since then it's been pretty good so yeah. i mean there's not too much to complain about anymore and i think that's where the whole thing were about the how about the bears broke Kirk cousins or the bears broke the the vikings was because after that game is when Thielen was publicly talking about not being used in the offense and then you have cousins on top of that apologizing publicly uh for not getting him the football and and you know, and everyone's just like, well, this team is just absolutely coming apart at the seams. I mean, look at all they're airing their dirty laundry in front of the whole world uh, right now. It's like this 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 loss has affected them even, you know, like beyond the locker room uh, almost. And that, that, I guess that's where the where the narrative of, the, of that kind of came from. And then the four games after that, it was anything but. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen these sorts of breakdowns in minnesota before i mean we saw him at at the end of the denny green era that's kind of what made denny green you know finally i mean he was going to get fired anyway but you know he uh he resigned before the last game of the uh the 2001 yeah 2001 season uh we saw it at the end of the the brad childress era where childress got fired in mid-season and had all the things surrounding trading for randy moss and then cutting him after four weeks and you know, I think we had the whole thing, you know, we kind of had a here-we-go-again mentality, you know. We know this team is talented. We know this team has the ability to do damage. But, you know, it an incident like that could have just completely turned the season into a dumpster fire. And right. to the credit of Mike Zimmer and to uh, some of the other veteran guys on the team, probably including Kirk Cousins. I mean, I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know who says what or anything like that. But... You know, they got things under control again, and, you know, things have, like I said, things have been pretty good ever since that uh, that Bears game finished. Well, yeah, I mean, you were 2-2 you were two and two when you left uh, Soldier Field, and in the, in the interim, you're 8-3 uh, mm-hmm. since. So I think that things went pretty well. And those three losses came against teams like Kansas City, Seattle, and then unfortunately on Monday night uh, against, uh, against Green Bay. But even in your losses... The Kansas City loss in Kansas City, only lost by a field goal. I actually thought you guys were going to win that game there for 
mm-hmm. a while. And then the Seattle game on Monday night, just coming off the by another road game. You know, one of the toughest places in the league to win. Hell, Seattle and Kansas City, both very tough places uh, to win football games. So not a huge surprise that you came away with losses there. But then, you know, you fast forward to this past Monday night, NFC North title on the line. You've already got a playoff spot locked up. And then the first quarter went pretty well for you guys. And then after that, it was not so much. No, I mean... It's really, you know, we hear the narrative about Kirk Cousins and Monday Night Football and primetime and whatever, and we've established that the guy is, you know, actually a pretty good quarterback. I mean, he has the physical ability to make all the throws. We've seen him make all the throws, and I don't necessarily think there's a mental thing with him and Monday Night Football. I mean, it's kind of weird to just arbitrarily assign, you know, thing that kind of thing to to a quarterback or whoever else but you know it's things like that that leave people frustrated with cousins and it's completely understandable as to why because you know these three games that you just talked about the kansas city game the seattle game and the green bay game these they were all winnable games i mean like you said the uh the kansas city game they lost on a last second field goal and you know, despite the fact that Seattle held the football for 40 minutes and ran for over 220 yards that night and whatever, the Vikings still had the ball with possession down four points and an opportunity to come back and, you know, take the lead. And that one drive they didn't execute. And, you know, because of that one drive, despite everything the defense did, you know, like we've seen all the time, the big story afterwards was, oh, Kirk Cousins is now 0-8 on Monday Night Football. Yeah. I mean, nothing about nothing about the defense getting whooped. Nothing about you know forty minutes time of possession, two hundred and twenty rushing yards for Seattle. No, Kirk Cousins is zero and eight on Monday Night Football. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know what the hell you want the guy to do. I mean, yeah, yeah. I and I I know the contract and this and that and the other thing, but you know, given the other options at the time, I still think Cousins was the best move. Sure, but uh, but yeah, I mean. It, it's ridiculous because I'm not a QB wins guy or anything like that. I never have been because in a, in a sport like football, I think that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I can understand the frustration with Cousins. But, yeah, I, I still think he's significantly better than a lot of people want to give him credit for. It's just that when he bottoms out, he bottoms out really hard. And we saw that on Monday night, unfortunately. Yeah, so let's let's talk about uh, a Monday night because we we were talking before we got started here, and and I and I mentioned that it it seemed eerily eerily familiar to me uh, to basically to week seventeen last year. You know, the stakes couldn't be higher. You're at home. You know, you, you you've got the you've the it's it destiny is yours to grab, and it things got off to a great start. You forced three turnovers there. Was were they all in the first quarter? Uh, I, the, uh, the first fumble that was on the first series, so that was in the first quarter. I think right. the interception came in the first quarter and God, I'm trying to think back was the, the second fumble might, or the, yeah, the second fumble might've been in the second quarter. Okay. But so yeah, three have, turnovers, back and look. three turnovers in the first half, but you only come away with, with 10 points. And as a matter of fact, you it was 10 to nine at halftime. Thanks to a late field goal from the. Packers. So despite the first half going about as poorly as it possibly could for Green Bay, they're only down one uh, going into halftime. And then they just absolutely took over uh, the second half. Now, it wasn't as bad a look as last season when it, you know, like I remember we talked over the summer when I asked just flat out, like what happened in week 17 against the Bears last year? The Bears had basically nothing to play for. You guys had everything to play for, and it didn't really look like you showed up to play that game and then like this one that didn't appear to be until the second half when nothing went right and everything went wrong all of a sudden yeah i mean i think a lot of it has to do once again like the seattle game is time of possession i'd have to go back and look at the numbers but i think the packers had the ball for 36 or 37 minutes and you know eventually the defense held up for the first half and even early into the third quarter but you know eventually when you ask a defense to play 35, 37, 40 minutes, 
they're going to get gassed. And when you get when you get a tired defense, uh, you have Aaron Jones running for 154 yards or whatever it was, and mm-hmm. icing the game with a touchdown midway through the fourth quarter. And yeah. you know, you can only fight so hard for so long. And the offense, you know, the, to credit the Green Bay defense, they put a whooping on our offensive line. Yeah, uh, the entire second half. But, you know, I saw the numbers from PFF after the game. Uh, the Packers sacked Kirk Cousins five times, and on three of those five sacks, they only rushed three guys. Yes. And so so yeah. when, you're, when you're getting whooped by a three-man rush and other teams can drop eight guys into coverage and not have to worry about anything like that, there's not a lot the quarterback or anyone else on the offense can do. The offensive line just got owned, and yeah, that meant they couldn't hold on to the football, and Green Bay dominated the time of possession, and eventually the defense just couldn't do it anymore. And, you know, that that's not necessarily an indictment on them. They held up for as long as they could. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, they just got gassed at the end, and there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, looking at the stats now, 37... 37- 37 to 22 is the time of possession advantage. 75 plays to 53, 380 total yards to 140 uh, for you guys. So yeah, it was um, 22 first downs to seven uh, as well. So yeah, very statistically yeah, a lot more, a lot more lopsided. Like that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And you know, it just. Um, yeah, kind of confounding as you know, for the way the game started and for it to end the way that it did, it was it truly was kind of like a tale uh, of two halves where it was a narrow ball game, it was a tooth and nail kind of thing for the first 30 minutes and then the last 30 it was all all Green Bay on both sides of the ball. I think didn't they get four of the five sacks in the second half and like you said, it was the Zadarius Smith show in a with a, on a in a three-man rush. Uh, getting after uh, Kirk Cousins as well. It was kind of reminiscent, like I said, of the of the Chicago game week 17 where after the Bears benched their starters, our second teamers were teeing off on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, and the offensive line has been much better this year than it was last season. I think just about everyone would agree with that that's seen the Vikings offensive line this year as yeah. compared to what it was last year. But And, and it's not like, it's not like the Packers defense is like the Ravens defense or the Niners defense or anything like that. I mean, they're below average in a lot of statistical categories as far as their defense goes, but they just had the game plan that did what they needed to do. And the Vikings didn't execute the way they needed to, to, to counter it. And yeah, it wound up being a one-sided game because of that. Now, I mean, I, I don't know if that's something the Vikings have learned anything from, but, uh, yeah, hopefully they can get this adjusted and, you know, get things right because, you know, they're locked into the sixth seed now. So if they want to go to the Super Bowl, they got to win three games on the road against three really good football teams. And if if they don't have it straightened out, it's going to be one and done for this team, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> considering that uh, four of your five losses came on the road uh, mm-hmm. this year, that's not a... Not a recipe for success. A five hundred, a five hundred road team having to go and win three games on the road uh, to make it to the Super Bowl. It's happened before. Uh, yes. Fortunately, we watched Green Bay do it a few years ago. Um, but uh, you know, and I got to watch them do it up close in Chicago in the NFC Championship game. That was a blast. Let me tell you. Oh, yeah. But um, so you know, what's what? Are we, what can we look forward to on on Sunday? The the only time that I ever heard Zimmer address it was like Monday night after the game and he had no idea if we're playing starters if we're benching people or whatever because you guys are locked in no matter what you're playing wild card weekend you are the six seed you'll play whoever the three seed is whether it's Green Bay Seattle San Francisco because the NFC is extremely top heavy like we have no idea who the top seed is right now or who it's going to be uh, or anything like that. You could be going to San Francisco, New Orleans, or Green Bay, or even Seattle uh, in the mm-hmm. wild card round. What's what do you guys what like? What's what have you heard, and what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? 
Well, I mean, I, I would be surprised. I mean, they might treat this like the second or third preseason game. They might put the starters out there for a couple of series to give them some work. Uh, obviously, guys like Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison aren't going to play, I don't think. Uh, I would be surprised if either one of them was out there. Uh, Eric Kendricks, <coughs> unfortunately, probably is not going to play in this one either. He uh, injured a quad against Green Bay, and if he's not able to come back, we can probably just shut it down because that's a huge loss. And I don't know if the defense would be able to overcome that, but yeah, I I would not be surprised to see this basically treated like the second or third preseason game. As I give the starters a couple of series, maybe a quarter, quarter and a half, and yeah, then you start pulling guys out and not risking anyone uh, important to uh, to potentially getting injured or anything like that. I I've not heard anything concrete on. Uh, Zimmer's game plan yet, but I would not be surprised if that was the sort of thing we saw on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and and is that what you'd prefer? I, I think so. I mean, I would like the offense to get a couple of series to see if they can't, you know, kind of unscrew themselves from what happened on Monday night. And sure. I mean, that the Bears defense is not an optimal opponent to try to do that against, but, you know, they, they need... They need to worry more about not getting any more important players hurt because arguably right now their most important player on offense and defense in uh, Dalvin Cook and Eric Kendricks are both dealing with injuries. And, yeah, they don't need to potentially make that any worse. So uh, I would love to see them win on Sunday, obviously, because that's what I want to see them do every Sunday. But, you know, I'm, I'm more concerned about not having any more injuries on this team going into a wild card weekend no i can definitely definitely see that i mean i think that was the biggest the biggest risk the bears were taking last year going into that game was the that we played deep into the fourth quarter i think it was only like in the final six or seven minutes of the game that the bears finally started uh sitting people uh in that one and um you know and i think that even especially since you have no idea who you're playing next weekend because right now it's San Francisco 1, Green Bay 2, New Orleans 3. So you're going to, as of this moment right now, you're headed to the Superdome for wild card weekend. <laughs> but considering how the weekend falls out, if San Francisco loses, then they're the 5 and Seattle's the 1 or the 2 because the, of a tiebreaker here uh, and there. And like I said just a few minutes ago, any one of those four teams ahead of you is is aside from the AFC NFC West loser, you could go to Green Bay or New Orleans or San Francisco or Seattle uh, next weekend. I would so I would say just you know resting up and being as healthy as possible because none of those places is, is going to be a fun place to go to next weekend. No, and I don't think they want to put a whole lot else on film potentially for right, anybody. Right. So yeah, I. I don't think they're going to treat this like any sort of meaningful game because it's not. Um, yeah, I, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see the starters play, but I would be surprised to see them play more than about a quarter or so, and then we're going to start seeing uh, replacements on both sides of the ball. Sure, like you you wouldn't be surprised to see them start, but you'd be very surprised to see them finish. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I don't think Kirk Cousins is playing four quarters on Sunday. Uh, I don't think Daniil Hunter and a lot of the defensive guys are playing four quarters. No, th- those guys are going to be on the, the sidelines in baseball caps, uh, baseball caps before uh, halftime, I think. Sure. So I've, I've listed your potential opponents uh, for next weekend, and, and like I said, none of them is going to be a very fun place to, to travel to. Seattle, San Francisco, Green Bay, um, San, and uh, so was it Seattle, San Francisco, Green Bay, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Am I am I crazy thinking that you'd rather go to Green Bay than any other place on on the, on the map there? No, actually, really? I, I don't think you are. I mean, who would you, you know, prefer? I mean, well, no, I, I think you're right in saying that Green Bay would probably be the preferred opponent sure. on on Sunday. I I don't think you're crazy for thinking that at all. I mean, uh, I think Green Bay, you know, just just because we always want another shot at Green Bay, and I mean they've beaten the Vikings twice already this year, and you hear the the logic about how it's hard to beat a team three times in a season sure. and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, if, if the Vikings could get themselves healthy, I think Green Bay would probably be 
uh, a spot they wouldn't mind going. I don't think they'd be terribly scared of going back to Seattle again, just because, you know, like we, like we talked about the way the game went uh, last time, where, uh, you know, the, the Seahawks dominated the time of possession and yet the Vikings still had a shot. Um, yeah, I, I think Seattle wouldn't be awful. Um, I don't think I want any part of San Francisco or New Orleans at this point, just sure. because New Orleans New Orleans at home is a completely different team from New Orleans on the road. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah, so those two teams I wouldn't want any part of. Uh, Green Bay or Seattle would probably be the best hope for an upset i would think but yeah we'll have to see how it shakes out and uh, and where they end up going so looking ahead uh into the into the off season because truthfully what happens on sunday like you said it's it's your fate is already decided like what what's happening with you guys ours has been well decided for probably a lot longer than us being officially eliminated a couple of weeks ago but um you know the Bears are playing for pride for five hundred, uh, for a you know bragging rights or whatever uh, on Sunday, and you guys are either going to let them have it or you're not, basically, <laughs> uh, on Sunday. But let's say, God forbid, you guys, you know, you're you're in the wild card round. Uh, whoever you play in the wild card round, you lose, and it's it's not pretty. Is there any danger of Mike Zimmer not coming back? Like he's you know, he spent all those years under under Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati and, and helping them succeed there. But the Marvin Lewis disease is that, you know, he can get you to the playoffs, but that's about all he can do. Is maybe that happening with, with Zimmer? Any any word on what his fate would be regardless of the outcome? I don't think he's in any real danger of getting fired, uh, you know, barring the team losing, like, 50 to nothing in the playoffs or something like that uh i mean the guy has been successful he's his winning percentage is over 600 uh with the vikings i don't know exactly what it is i'd have to look up his record but you know he he's gotten a lot out of this team despite the issues with the uh the quarterback position and the the rotation and the turnover we've seen there uh Ted Glover, my co-writer at the uh, the Daily Norseman, actually did his uh, his weekly TED talk about uh, about this topic earlier, and he's come to the conclusion that uh, <clears throat> that Mike Zimmer is kind of mirror image uh, Denny Green, hmm. because Denny Green was successful every year. I mean, he Denny Green could have pulled a guy out of the stands at the Metrodome to play quarterback, and he still probably could have gone ten and six. Sure, he was just he was just that great an offensive head coach. Zimmer has that on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the worst record in six seasons that the Vikings have had with Mike Zimmer has been seven and nine, and that was his first year with the team. And so he, he gets the most out of his talent. He develops guys. He He's doing the best that he can do. But at some point, like you said, you have to wonder whether or not that's enough. If you're happy with, you know, being a 9, 10, 11 win team every year and contending and going to the playoffs, or if you want to try to swing for the fences for a guy that you think could get you to 13 and 3, 14 and 2 and get you to a Super Bowl. And if you mess it up, then you've set your you set yourself back again and yeah. I I don't think that for that reason Mike Zimmer is in any real danger of losing his job. I don't know who you'd find out there that would potentially be an upgrade or an improvement from him. Right. But, yeah, I, I don't think he's in danger of losing his job after this season because, uh, yeah, I think him and Rick Spielman and Kirk Cousins at this point all have one year left uh, on their current contracts. Right. And I, I think they give them that one more year. And based on what happens, I after – the 2020 season if we don't see something more successful than what we've seen over the past few years then i think there's the potential for a house cleaning but i don't think we're going to see that uh, after this season is over with yeah that was going to be my next question was like what about rick spielman is is uh you know because you can it's like six in one hand half a dozen in the other as far as you know who you talk to about kirk cousins and was that a good signing or wasn't it or, you know, the fully guaranteed thing, 
sounded like madness at the time and uh, and all the rest of that stuff. But he's put together, you know, this football team, uh, you know, for you guys and uh, kind of like, uh, you know, not in the same vein, but Ryan Pace has, has put together a hell of a roster. And, you know, you can argue about Trubisky and if he's still on the way up or if he's done and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, those uh, those uh, comparisons are there, that, you know, and it's always interesting to talk about, you know, how you evaluate a GM in his time uh, with a football team because it goes beyond wins and losses. And, like, when you were talking about Zimmer and, you know, do you fire a guy that can get you to the playoffs but can't get you beyond – that's what the Bears did to Lovey Smith, and that backfired on us huge. You know, we only just started to recover last year, and then we went sideways again uh, this season. You know, I think maybe the Bears could be, you know, a deterrent from letting go of Mike Zimmer and trying to swing for the fences with somebody else. And we saw that in Detroit too, because they had yeah, Jim right. Caldwell there for a few years. I mean, Absolutely, he was winning. He was winning nine and seven. He was taking the Lions to the playoffs and. They decided that wasn't good enough, and they decided to go with Matt Patricia. And Matt Patricia's not a great coach, and no. the Lions have not been good as a result. And I think Jim, I think Jim Caldwell's an assistant in Jacksonville or something like that now. But yeah, I mean, there was. You can say that Jim Caldwell wasn't spectacular or wasn't whatever, but I mean, he's he's a whole lot better than Matt Patricia. Yeah. And you know, you you didn't you you got rid of him when he was doing. You know, things like taking the Lions to the playoffs. And, yeah, so unless you have somebody that you definitively think is going to be an improvement over Mike Zimmer, which would have to be one of these uh, retread types that uh, has been in the league before, Mm -hmm. I think the one name I keep hearing is Ron Rivera, but uh, I don't know if that would work in uh, Minnesota. And I've heard Mike McCarthy, too, and God knows. Oh, good God. I don't want that. Unless he's bringing 2009 Aaron Rodgers with him, I don't want Mike McCarthy (laughs) anywhere near this football team because Aaron Rodgers carried that guy for 10 years. Yeah. And, yeah, I I don't want anything to do with that guy. But unless there's somebody out there that you can point at and say, yeah, this guy's definitely a better football coach than Mike Zimmer, I don't see any reason to get rid of him at this point. So yeah. I don't think there's any danger of him getting canned after the uh, after the Vikings are knocked out of the playoffs whenever it happens. So what would you look at as far as offseason? What do you think the Vikings need to focus on? Uh, same as every other offseason for the last five or six years. They need to try to keep building the, uh, the offensive line. Mm. Uh, however, they're going to have a lot of decisions to make because they're going to have guys that uh, are going to be – looking at a lot of money that uh, are not playing up to uh, the level of earning that kind of money. I mean, we've seen Xavier Rhodes just get smoked all year. He's due something like $13 million next year. I don't think he's coming back. Uh, Trey Waynes is in the last year of his contract. So is Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, I don't know if either of those guys are coming back. So this this team is going to undergo a lot of change this offseason I think uh, it's going to be a matter of which players they uh, are able to extend, which players they have to let go of. And, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting off season. But, yeah, if the one thing that they need to continue doing is building the offensive line, they've gotten a couple of pieces there, but they need more pieces, and they need to uh, to get that offensive line built up to uh, to the standard that the rest of the roster is currently at. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of something the Bears need to focus on uh, as well. But uh, you know, we don't have a first round pick. We don't have a lot of cap space, so it's going to be a very interesting off season uh, for the Bears, especially after the year that we've had, where it's like glaring need after glaring need, and we've got very little to work with in in both off season assets to to do anything uh, about that. So. Uh, February to August is going to be interesting for the Bears, that's for sure. Um, so, Chris, because there's not a whole lot to talk about because of this this game, we don't know who's playing, who's showing up, what the focus is, um, you know, this Sunday. 
Uh, you got any Minnesota? F- no, you know what? Let me tell you this. <laughs> I'm rooting for you guys in the playoffs. I absolutely am. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you, or maybe it's been a long time since I've told you, but I used to be like the Vikings used to be my co-team along with the Bears uh, for a while there in the 90s when you acquired a guy named Warren Moon. Yeah. And, you know, because Warren Moon was my favorite player in the league after Walter Payton retired, and I just kind of followed him uh, around the league. I was actually quite delighted when he got traded to Minnesota because – there was no NFL Sunday ticket back then, so that meant that I got to see Warren Moon play at least twice a year uh, on television when he played the Bears. So that was always going to be a, a good thing. And, and, you know, I followed those teams closely. Like I just saw a picture online of uh, Randy Moss, Jake Reed, and uh, Chris Carter uh, together mm-hmm. uh, at the, the Monday night game. And a, lot of great, a lot of great games those guys played together. Oh, you know. they certainly did. I mean, yeah, the uh, the the three deep. They had the posters. They had the uh, the nickname. They had all that stuff. I mean, it, it was watching those three guys. I mean, you know, Carter and Reed by themselves were outstanding. I mean, yes. I think they were the first uh, duo in NFL history to have a uh, thousand yards receiving four consecutive years, both of them. Mm-hmm. And you know, Randy Moss comes along, and all of a sudden, Jake Reed's your third string guy. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a uh, it was a lot of fun watching that offense, and you know it was too bad that uh, that they didn't finally uh, get this franchise over the hump. But yeah, it, it's it was great watching those teams during our uh, during our younger years. Yeah, and, and I was always a big fan of Robert Smith uh, as the running back as well, and the defensive players of Randall and uh, you know all those guys. There was a lot of uh, a lot of fun watching the Vikings because, of course, the Bears were terrible in the mid-'90s, so watching somebody that I was rooting for have some kind of success was always uh, fun. Very conflicted, that one wild-card weekend where the Bears and the Vikings played each other, and the Bears actually won that game. It was a a weird day in the house because I made no secret of the fact that I was a huge Warren Moon fan. I also made no secret of the fact that I'm a winner no matter what happens today. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, I'm walking out of here uh, with a victory. But I was very torn because I think I was actually a bigger fan of Warren Moon than I was of the Bears uh, at the time. So watching the Bears beat the Vikings that day was a very bittersweet day uh, for me because that's the Bears won, but it came at the cost of, of Warren Moon losing the football game. Yeah, I mean, Moon. I mean, he was he was old by the time he got to Minnesota, even, and he he, <laughs> he you know, was old when he got to Houston. What are you talking he, about? He really was. I mean, yeah. I can't remember how long he hung around in the league because I know he went to Seattle after he was done in Minnesota, and he might have gone somewhere he, else too. He finished but, up in Kansas City. He didn't retire till like two thousand and one. Something he, like that. He, didn't, yeah. he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he got inducted in like oh six or oh seven. So, yeah, I mean, all those years he spent in Canada really kind of hosed him for, you know, in, as far as the National Football League. I mean, obviously, people knew he was a great quarterback, but, you know, because of the dynamics at the time, unfortunately, he yeah. didn't get that opportunity in the uh, in the NFL. So he went to Edmonton and just, you know, destroyed the CFL for however many years it was. And then he finally got his opportunity. And, yeah, I Moon was one of those guys that was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. I, I oh. like that guy, too. Yeah, I, I, I fell in love with him um, thanks to NFL Films and, like, uh, Inside the NFL on HBO uh, when I was oh, a yeah. kid. I mean, is, is there a game that lends itself to cinematic beauty more than football does? Absolutely honestly, not. In, in basketball or baseball or – uh, or whatever, yeah, it's it's nice watching the ball arc into the basket or watching the, the, the seams on a fastball or whatever, but football is a game absolutely just tailor-made to for the cinematic drama that, that NFL films can put together. And all those years I spent watching Warren Moon spirals fly through the air on, on, on NFL films and everything. It's like nobody threw a prettier ball than Warren Moon did. No, they, they really didn't. He was... Yeah, that, that offense they ran in Houston where yeah. it was just four wide receivers all the time and no tight ends. And, yeah, that that offense was fun to watch. And they 
it didn't really take off the way it needed to in the NFL just because, no. you know, people eventually caught Figured up with it. it. But yeah. yeah, but for those couple years that it worked for Houston, I mean, they were putting up points and just, you know, they, they were fun to watch. Underrated uniforms in Houston, too. Some of my oh, favorites. The, oh, the powder blues? The powder blues with, with the oil rigs on, on the oil derrick on the side of the helmets and everything. Like They're trying to bring it back with the XFL. They're like they kind of like an ode to the Oilers uh, yeah. with, their, with their helmets and stuff like that, but it's, it's not the same. No. It, I mean, like you said, they're trying. And uh, you know, I do hope the XFL is a, a hell of a lot more successful than the AAF just because, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I've. I mean, because you know, we're we're football guys. We like football. I mean, sure. if there's if if football's on TV, even if I'm just sitting here, you know, doing whatever, I'll put football on TV because it's football, and right. I want to watch and talk about and listen to football. But yeah, I, I was bummed out when the AAF didn't even finish their first season because I mean, it, it wasn't great football, but I mean, it was it wasn't awful right. or anything like that. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope that, that the at least the XFL gets off to a better start than the AAF did because it was very clear in the beginning, except for like Spurrier's team in Orlando or whatever, that defense was way ahead of the offense as far as like progress and, and knowing the system and everything. There was a lot of ugly offense being played because the defense just had the offense's number in most of those games. So like they've been in training camp already for like a month with the XFL. So I hope that... They're using that time wisely to at least get offenses competent and ready to play when they finally uh, kick off. Because I think that's what hurt the AAF in the beginning is that it was it wasn't the most exciting football because it was it was like watching a pitcher's duel. You know, some of those games can be exciting, but for the most part, people want to see points, and you weren't seeing that much in the beginning of the the AAF. So I hope the XFL can do better with that. Yeah, me too. I mean, just like I said, just because, you know, I want there to be an alternative. I want there to be something else to watch. And, you know, potentially even as a feeder system into the NFL for, you know, guys that just need that little bit more repetition and development and whatnot. So, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully Vince McMahon learned from the first time he did the XFL. I mean, I'm not going to bet on that or anything, but... (laughs) Yeah, I would like to think that he has, and you know, hopefully this will go uh, significantly better than uh, than the first attempt at the XFL. Well, I think the the first sign that he learned his lesson was that he waited two years to bring the league in, instead of yeah. like announcing in March that the league would start, you know, or like announcing in September that the league is going to play in March or something, yeah, uh, like that. Like they literally threw the XFL together, or at least as far as the public eye. Uh, was concerned they really just kind of just threw that all together and it showed uh you know as the year uh went along but um where are you? you're in california right are you still in yes. california yes are, I am. are you near los angeles or anything like that where they're going to have one of the teams um it's about a three-hour drive to los okay. angeles from here I, I was actually down at the uh the chargers game uh when they played the Vikings a oh, couple weeks ago, nice, nice. It, it was it was eighty percent purple in that stadium. Oh, I, don't I know. know how, it's... I don't know how the hell the Chargers do it. They essentially play sixteen road games a year. Yeah, nobody cares about the Chargers. I mean, it's it's awful, and you know they they got kind of screwed in that whole uh, stadium situation, stadium move, and whatnot. And yeah, it it's just really sad because you know you were looking around the stands and. You know, I, I got to the stadium about an hour before the game and parked my car in one of the lots and was lock, walking over to uh, Dignity Sports Park, at which I, yeah, that yeah Dignity Sports Park, that's the uh, the stadium they're playing in. And literally 90% of the jerseys I saw walking toward the stadium were purple. There were very few Chargers jerseys. I mean, you saw Vikings jerseys from, like, Fran Tarkenton all the way to, like, the <laughs> modern-day guys. I mean, it, it was, and, yeah, I mean, we actually posted the thing that uh, Adam Schefter had mentioned during the pregame uh, this past Sunday that the Vikings fans were so loud in Los Angeles that the Chargers had to go to a silent count uh, in their own stadium wow. when they were on offense, which is just ridiculous. I mean, it was great to see them win, but, man, I, I feel bad for the, the loyal, diehard Charger fans out there that have to deal with that kind of stuff. Was it kind of claustrophobic, considering there's only like twenty-seven to thirty thousand capacity in that place? It it wasn't so bad. I mean, 
I was up in uh, I was over in one of the end zones, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't seem too cramped or claustrophobic or anything like that. Okay. I mean, it, it helped that a lot of the Chargers fans started leaving like midway through the third quarter. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, the traffic getting out of there wasn't nearly so bad as it is usually leaving an NFL stadium. True. But yeah, it it wasn't it wasn't bad, but. You know, it just seemed a little small for the NFL, obviously, because you're when you're used to seeing like sixty and seventy thousand seat stadiums to see what's essentially a soccer stadium. It being is used a soccer for NFL stadium, football. Yeah. yeah, being used for NFL football was yeah, it was a little weird, and hopefully, at some point, the Chargers will get something better because you know the people who have been fans of that team for years and years deserve better than that. I think. Well, they're moving into the stadium with the Rams next year when it's up and running, if it is up and running. They better hope year. it's up and running. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they'll have that, but will the fans will the fans come or will it be more like 16 road games where now that there's 70 or 80,000 people, you got 60,000 Bear fans again when the Chargers are, you know, you know, it's like it's a it's a Bears home game and the Chargers are in town in Los Angeles uh, or something like that. So, I hope they, they get it figured out, or, or maybe, like I saw someone on Twitter say, like, you know, there's a dome in St. Louis that nobody's using right now if you guys want to <laughs> back out of this thing or, or whatever. So there's always yeah. that. So I mean, I, someone, I, I thought someone had even floated that the Chargers were going to end up being the team that got moved to London. London, yeah. London <laughs> got a team. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I mean, they – London is basically the new Los Angeles for the National yeah. Football League. Oh, things aren't going well. Well, we might just pack up and move our team to London unless you give us a new state. So, yeah, right. L- London's essentially the new Los Angeles for the NFL. It's going to be that city that everyone uses to try to leverage whatever city they're in now for whatever it is they want. So I don't know if it's ever actually going to happen. It's probably better off just to keep it as more of a you know week or yeah, couple weeks a year thing rather than try to go with the full season over there i think i'm with you i'm with you on that well chris we've gotten way off the way we're (laughs) this has gone way off the rails and i apologize uh you know for that like i said this sunday is is going to happen uh the bears are going to play the vikings and one of those teams is going to win and no one's going to care so uh that's pretty much how it is for the bears our season mercifully comes to an end we'll either be a seven and nine or a 500 team and for the Vikings, you'll either, hey, guess what? We won. Hooray. You know, 11 and 5 or like, meh, 10 and 6. Let's get ready for the playoffs. So, you know, yep. it's it's just really kind of a meh kind of game on Sunday. We're going to watch because we're fans and we want our team to win, but it doesn't really matter. It, you're right. It's pretty much a preseason game that's taking place on Sunday. It really is. I mean, like we said, the Vikings are locked into their spot. It's just a matter of where they're going to end up going and they're probably not going to know where they're going to go until after the Sunday night game is over. Right. So I mean, there's no real drama to be had on Sunday afternoon, just hoping that nobody gets hurt, uh, nobody, uh, you know, nothing bad happens to anyone on either team. And, yeah, that's uh, that's what it's going to be about. And, yeah, hopefully that's what happens. We don't see any more significant injuries for the Vikings. Uh, we don't see any injuries for the Bears that they're going to have to worry about during the off season. Right. And yeah, just uh, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose, and yeah, like you said, whatever, whatever result that is, it's really not going to mean anything. <laughs> Nothing at all, man. Nothing at nope. all. So, so Chris, thanks so much uh, for coming back on the uh, the show to uh, to chat with me for a bit. We did talk about the game a little bit, but uh, we did, you know. Yeah, we got it. We got some in there. So, you know, yes. you know, people are probably fast forwarding through most of this anyway. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we give yeah, them what we can. Loss. Yeah, absolutely. We're delightful. Why wouldn't they want to listen? We are. So, but Chris Gates, where can we uh, where can we find you and uh, and your content online? Uh, we are at uh, www.dailynorseman.com. Uh, you can find us on uh, on the Twitters at uh, at Daily Norseman. And yeah, we're uh, we're just going to be here. Uh, writing about the Vikings, doing uh, whatever, uh, talking about whatever it is they're doing, whether it's uh, playoffs or preparing for the off season, And, yeah, that's, uh, that's just how we do things. Chris Gates, 
Always a pleasure to have you on the show, sir. Looking forward to having you back on again soon. Thank you very much, Larry. Happy to be here, as always. As always, enjoy having Chris on the show. Hoping uh, to have him back on again uh, real soon. Final thoughts here, guys. It's it's simple. You know, it's it doesn't matter who wins or loses on Sunday, but obviously we want to see the Bears win. But more than anything, especially after the performance that we just put on the field this past Sunday on national TV against the Kansas City Chiefs, I just want the Bears to show up. Okay, show up, have a little pride, you know, go for that five and, you know, go, you know, go after that 500 record, go for the four and two division record, go for another season sweep of the Vikings, play like the game matters, you know, play to win the game, go out there, get after it, get after Kirk Cousins while he's out there, get after Dalvin Cook, I doubt, I doubt he's going to play, but go after, go out there, get after that. No, make sure that Daniil Hunter and, and those guys don't get anywhere near Mitch uh, on Sunday. Open up those lanes for David Montgomery. Let him finish off the year with a 100-yard game uh, and whatnot. Let Allen Robinson get his catches. Uh, whoever the hell our tight ends are going to be, let's get them involved. Let's do some things. Let's have some fun, play some football, show up, play like it matters, and win the game. That's pretty much it. I mean – you're not going to sit here and talk strategy for a game that in the in the scheme of things doesn't matter. Um, so basically that's that's all I want. I want the team to show up, even if we're playing Minnesota's second stringers and third stringers for the majority of the football game. I want us out there giving a full effort, playing like the game matters to us. I, that's that's what I want to see. I, I don't want to see what I saw on Sunday. We did not show up. Like you guys saw in, in the review episode, Khalil Mack was the only person that I saw out there giving maximum effort in that ball game uh, in that embarrassing loss uh, to the Chiefs. That can't be the last thing that we show uh, our fans. Luckily, we have one more game left, so this can be our redemption game uh, against the Vikings. Show up, put a decent performance together, get a victory on the road against Minnesota. And even, if it, even if it is a meaningless game, Finish the season at 500. You started three and five, finished five and three to go 500, have something to kind of carry us into this very interesting off season that we have uh, ahead of us. And um, that's pretty much all I can ask for. That's all I want to see. You know, I, I pray that, uh, that we get the win. Uh, I won't be surprised if we don't. I just want to see a show up. Win, lose, or draw, I want the Bears to play and play hard uh, on Sunday. That's pretty much all I want. So anyway, <laughs> that's all I got, guys. Really, that is, that is, that is it. I, I got nothing. Uh, I guess I spent all my energy talking to Chris earlier tonight. So uh, that's going to do it for the Week 17 preview episode of the Bearstalk Underground. Come back on Tuesday uh, when we'll review this game. Did the Bears show up? Did we win? Are we a 500 football team is everybody healthy what do we got to look forward to to get ready for the year in review when our good friend lauren cox is more than likely going to come back and help us weed through the mess that was the 2019 season so come on back on tuesday we'll uh, bear up and bear down and uh final thoughts and all the rest of that stuff knee-jerk reactions on tuesday so until then my name is larry d and this has been the bears talk underground Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. 
Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.